Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning. Uh, if, you, if you would please stand as we begin the service by reading God's Word. This is Psalm 40, verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. We are excited for uh, everyone to be here this morning, especially if you're a guest. Uh, we hope you feel welcomed, and we are so glad you're here. Uh, for both guests and, and longtime members, we have our Connect card in the bulletin. So if you would, if there's any way that you're looking to serve or something you want to be a part of, uh, complete that, fill it out, let us know an area you would like to serve in, whether it's for an event upcoming like VBS uh, is, a, is a great event that uh, we are, I'm sure, still looking for people to serve at. Uh, Sherry Lyons is a great person to get in touch with, and also uh, um, uh, Nancy Crawford as well. Uh, I know they're working hard. I went by there the other day, and they're just working away, getting things ready. I think last I heard, we have 170 kids registered at this point, so a lot of kids registered and probably more to come. So uh, we need, it's an all-hands-on-deck thing, as you guys know, uh, but we're excited about that, and uh, our, our students leave for camp tomorrow morning, so I'll be leading our students tomorrow morning uh, to camp, and we are having a meal following the service, a, a fundraiser meal, so if you want to come and support the students, uh, please come on down after, after the service to the meal. And so many great things going on, and it's a busy summer, a lot happening, but a summer in, in ministry is an important time for ministry, so uh, we just ask for your continued prayers and, and uh, for your uh, for your serving hands uh, this summer, and we're very excited. And this time I'd like to hand it back over to David, and uh, we'll begin. Well, thank you, Zach. Well, we've had a great time this past week, Marla and I have, with our family. We were on vacation with all three of our children, all eight of our grandchildren, and we had a wonderful time. I appreciate so much Gene King leading music last Sunday during our absence. We're going to have a great time of worship today, beginning with the song, One Day. Would you please stand as we sing?
Well, y'all were singing great this morning. What a wonderful way to start the service. Well, our summer choir today is really the first day. Every week during the summer now, if you'd like to sing in the choir, you just come right on up. We're still rehearsing on Wednesday nights, but for now we're rehearsing on a musical. It's a God and Country, a great musical we're going to do on July the 1st. So Wednesday nights we're working on that. Sunday mornings we're singing music that you can sing if you just come join us. This morning is going to be a wonderful time. Listen as the choir sings.
Thank you, choir. Now, we want you to join us next Sunday. I didn't have enough faith today. We filled up all the chairs, so I'll put a few more out next week. Serve the Lord with gladness. Let's stand as we sing our offertory hymn, please. Serve the Lord with gladness in our works and ways. Come before his presence with our songs of praise. Unto him our maker we would lend life supreme to serve us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today to worship you and be with you and our friends and family here at church, where we ask that you would just take these tithes and offerings and bless them and use them to your will and your mighty works, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. I'd like to be singing, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from its sunshine For its skies may turn to gray I don't worry or the future for I know what Jesus said And today I'll walk beside him For he knows what is ahead Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand but I know who holds tomorrow And I know who holds my hand I don't know about tomorrow It may bring me poverty But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me and the path that be my portion may be through the flame or flood but his presence goes before me and i'm covered with his blood many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand yes I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand?
That is our VBS commercial. Vacation Bible Schools here starts at Broadway on Monday, June 18th. So that's not this, that's not tomorrow, that's the following week. So this is an opportunity for, I was talking to Nancy Crawford, our VBS director. She's in, I believe, with the children, the babies right now, nursery. She said 175 kids are very pre-registered. So um, that's great. Our goal is 200, so you need to sign up. We hope to hit 200 within the next week, which would be a great registration for our church. And then that's, uh, now, even if you don't pre-register, you can still just show up and register. But pre-registration is important because it lets us know about how many uh, kids and the class size to plan for. But you still have, we still have a lot of folks that just uh, show up for that. Um, VBS is an opportunity that we have as a church that we share the gospel with children. One-fourth of all baptisms within the Southern Baptist Convention come directly from VBS. It is a way that many of us grew up going to VBS. It's a way we communicate the gospel that next Sunday is Father's Day, and we're going to have our, we have these octopi, uh, two um, octopus that uh, one's going to be the boys, one's going to be the girls. So you're, we're going to debut those next Sunday. We're going to do children's sermon. We're excited about that. When the children bring their offering, our offering this year for Bible school goes to Sunrise Children's Services, which is Kentucky Baptist Convention's uh, children's home. They walk up, and they have money in their hand, and it sucks it out of their hands. It's going to be neat. You will get to see it next Sunday for Father's Day. I'm going to have lots of money to give to the boys. So we're, we're excited about that. But in all truthfulness, um, we, pl- we still need workers. Like I do the shipwreck games on the playground, so um, you can help me out on the playground. There's lots of different areas. Just let Sherry or myself or Miss Nancy know, and we can certainly plug you in uh, for Bible school. Um, and also be praying about folks that you want to invite to VBS. It is an opportunity for you to invite your neighbors, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that they need to come. With that, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. And then in a little while, we're going to flip over our scriptures to the book of Romans. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. We're going to begin a sermon series here on prayer. Prayer is something that many of us, uh, we, we talk about all the time. You hear sermons, Bible, Sunday school lessons. It's discussed frequently. But truthfully, if we're honest with ourselves, probably a lot of us here, we struggle with it. And it's, it, it's, prayer is hard because prayer requires time. But the, what we're going to see here in the Scriptures is that God answers prayer. Not only that, God, He, in, he expects His people, His believers, us followers of Jesus, to pray. If you are not spending time in prayer, you are in disobedience to God. And you know, there's also something very pragmatic with prayer. Bottom line is it works. I mean, if you want something that works, if you bring your request to the Lord, He will answer those. This entire summer, through the months of June and July, we're going to be looking at different aspects of the Scriptures on prayer. For example, like praying through Scripture. Praying, how, how did Jesus teach the pray? Well, on Sunday nights, we're going through the book of Luke. All throughout the book of Luke, you see how Jesus, He would actually break away from His disciples and go and be alone with His Father and spend time in prayer. We need to have that same type of devout prayer life that we see throughout the Scriptures. And what we're going to see here tonight, this morning is that we're going to see actually where prayer began, the very first prayer in the Scriptures, where it all started at. But while you turn there, um, I appreciate last Last Sunday I was in Birmingham as well as Atlanta with uh, our little daughter Esther's surgery. And uh, Kevin Dye, I appreciate the wonderful message you preached out of Isaiah 40 and uh, sharing the gospel. Um, here at our church. 
I noticed, Kevin, our offering, uh, the Sunday you preached last week, was uh, best offering of the year. So that was, so that was, this is our best offering. So congrats, way to go, Kevin, for that. Kevin brings in the money, so offerings are ever down, you know. And the thing about bringing a big offering is that, you know, you're, you're a preacher, guest preacher, you bring in a big offering, they invite you back. I want to tell you, so this is a true story. When I was in seminary, at New Orleans Seminary, uh, this is before we had children, Sherry and I, I was um, there working on our degree. We had just gotten married, and I would go out in the little rural communities out there as a you know, seminary student, go be a guest preacher on Sundays. Well, there's a little town in the bayou deep in the southern Louisiana called uh, Homa, Homa, Louisiana, South Louisiana. I got invited to some little country church way out in the boonies, out past Homa, in the middle of nowhere. And this was a time in our life, Sherry, we, were, uh, we had no kids, and we were both working, and uh, God had just blessed us, and we were able to even give above a tithe, so we were uh, giving uh, very, very generously. To our, we went to First Baptist New Orleans, but if we were gone, and I don't recommend doing this, but this is what we did back in, back in the day. If we were at a, a church that Sunday, um, we would give our entire offering at that church. So, and, and now, you don't need to do that now, but, uh, <laughs> but we did that back then. So what happened, Sherry and I were both working, and it happened to be this Sunday, we had just gotten paid, by both of us, not one, but we had just gotten paid, so that offering is going to be very large at that church. So, um, and it was a, just a rural country church, and we walk in, and back in, some of you probably grew up in churches, on the side of the church, they have the worship attendance, Sunday school attendance, and the, last, and the offering, like you collect the offering, they put the offering right there. I mean, that way if they had to pass the plates a second time, you would know, because it's on the wall. I mean, you're not even watching the preacher, you're looking at the numbers. I mean, you talk about a numbers-driven church, but it was, well, that was one of these churches. So you, we walked in, and they're putting the numbers right there. Well, this church, they didn't have a lot of money. Well, I looked at their numbers, and I thought, well, my goodness, our offering we're about to give, it's going to actually be more then their entire number, I guess, from the previous week. So be, uh, we view it as a great blessing for that church. We were going to bless that church. So we gave, and I preached that Sunday. I think I even preached that night. We hung around. We stayed in the old church pastorium, and we came back that, that night and uh, preached to the folks. Um, the next morning, and this church was without a pastor at that time, so I was, I was dealing with the, you know, the small country chairman deacons run the church. So a chairman deacons emailed me like 8 o'clock, first thing Monday morning. Said, Reverend Osmond, we really appreciate you and Sherry. This is a true story. We really appreciate you and Sherry coming and uh, being with us. I just want you to know any Sunday you I should save the email. Any Sunday you ever want to come, you are always welcome to come back and preach. Even if we have a preacher, we'll take make arrangements so you can you can certainly get in there. So that's what happens, Kevin, when you give a big offering to church. So with that, so with that, that's what I'm, with that. But anyway, I want you to open your Bibles here. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to see here in the Scriptures, prayer is something that we as believers in, in gospel-centered folks, we commune and talk to God. And we're going to see here in the Scriptures where, where it began, where prayer started. Now I want to tell you what happened in the first couple of chapters here leading up to Genesis 4.26. As we know, we have creation in chapters 1 and 2. Then, all of a sudden, we run into problems in chapter 3. Chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden. Things are going great. They aren't just praying to God. In the Garden of Eden, they were walking and talking with God. God was there. They had a meeting place in Eden. And it was, they were literally having this uh, wonderful fellowship with God the Father. Sin occurred. They were driven from the Garden of Eden. 
there were all of a sudden consequences for their sin. Adam and Eve, all of a sudden, things changed. They had a couple of boys, Cain and Abel. The boys didn't start out very well. What happened? Cain was jealous of his brother Abel, and he killed him, actually. They went out alone, and they killed him, but God certainly witnessed the crime, spoke to Cain. Cain received consequences for his murder. It was the first murder right there in right there, Genesis uh, chapter 3, chapter 4. Then, while we get to chapter 4, later on, Cain had children. One was named Lamech, and he actually father, uh, followed his father's lineage of murdering people. He murdered two people. So all of a sudden, you see how things just aren't working out. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were, the Bible says they were driven out of it. All of a sudden, then there are two boys. Cain's murdering a brother. Then Cain starts having children. And his kids are killing other people? Like, we just aren't off to a good start here. But something happened all of a sudden here when we get to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. I'll start, well, I'll look at, read verse 25 here. Genesis 4, 25. Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. So this is the son that replaced Abel. Seth's important because the lineage of Jesus comes here through Seth. For she said... God has given me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. A son was born to Seth also, and he named him Enosh. Now look at this, very last sentence. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. There it is. At that time, we had to go through this giant mess. We had to kill a couple of folks. We had to make some mistakes. And then all of a sudden... Seth and his son Enosh, after his son was born, many folks, actually, you know, a lot of folks come to church after they have children. It's like they realize, now I'm a parent, I'm a father, I have a responsibility to raise these children. And after Enosh was born, the people turned to the Lord. That's what happened here. What's, what, what do we see here? This is the first prayer in the Scripture. This is their calling upon God. They're talking to the Lord. So we have to answer the question, what is prayer? When we talk about prayer, we need to define it. Uh, prayer is really, it's two things. It's a conversation and it's an encounter with God. You're talking, and not only that, you're actually encountering the Lord. It's something that's actually, in many ways, we don't realize it, but we're actually responding to God when we pray. It's, a, it's our response to Him. God's already working in our life. Things aren't accidents that occur around us. Nothing's coincidence. God is orchestrating everything. And it's something that we are talking back to God. Now, unfortunately, many times for our prayer life, church, it's the truth. We pray in emergency situations, in crisis. Prayer becomes something when we don't have anyone else or anything else to turn to, we cry out to God. But if things are going great in our life and we're coasting along, the worst thing that can happen to us as believers is we can drift. Drifting is you're just making it. Nothing really too bad, nothing really too great. You know, you're paying your bills, you're getting through, you're okay. Your back hurts a little bit every now and then, but you're still getting through the day. Nothing new. You're just going along day after day, drifting along. That's a dangerous position to be in because when you're like that, if you're drifting, I tell you, you aren't going to be praying to the Lord. You aren't going to be dependent upon Him. Usually it's crisis situations 
when it's something that we don't have control of, or your family falls apart, or you have marriage or children problems, you cry out and you turn to the Lord. One of the great things we see about prayer is every great move of God is always preceded by prayer. If you want to see God move in your life, in our church's life, we cry out to the Lord in prayer. We do not want to develop, you as a believer, you do not want to develop crisis is the only time you pray. You become a crisis prayer line. In fact, if you notice, even if you're sitting in Sunday school, have you ever noticed so many prayer requests or someone's sick, someone's dying, we have this disaster that's occurred, we have this terrible situation that's occurred with this family or this person, and we're not, we're not coming to the Father saying, God, help me win souls for you. Evangelism prayer. We don't have prayers always of adoration. Lord, you are a great God. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for saving us. And we're going we're gonna to see that when, we, when something great is about to happen, we should be praying for a mighty move of God. I mean, think about all the things we could be praying for. I mean, just look at, I mean, the Bible tells us we're to pray for our leaders. I think what, two days our president's going to meet with North Korea? I mean, that's something to pray about. That's obviously a priority. Uh, uh, tomorrow, the Southern Baptist Convention meets for its annual meeting in Dallas. That's something is a convention we should be praying over. And then there's been ch- uh, controversy within the convention over a cover-up of, of sex abuse at uh, Southwestern Seminary. I mean, that's something to pray about. With Paige Patterson, president or now former president, being in the news. The needs are incredible. We pray for folks here in Lexington that they will get saved. You pray for upcoming VBS. Many times our prayer, you pray for your pastor. You pray, I'm going to pray that God gives them the words and a passion for the gospel as he preaches it and prepares. Even for a church, I mean, here's something this season, something where our church is praying about this entire season is one of the ways we've created a family, you know, this is the year, you know, we had a theme for our year of family ministry, uh, trying to make our church uh, take responsibility for reaching all ages, especially the millennial generation, which is America's largest generation with the gospel. And one of the things we're praying about as a church, and even looking into, we created a little family ministry leadership team that has about 19 folks on it, is we're talking about creating a second worship service, a contemporary worship service. You know, our, our service here is what we would call a celebration service. We have the choir, we have the orchestra. It's a blessing. It's wonderful. I love David Dell and our choir. I sing in the choir. I'm a summertime choir member. So, and it's something that... I grew up in a celebration-style worship church. And that's a blessing to be a part of. But we also are aware that there's a completely different type of worship style. And we're, we're, we're praying about this summer as a church saying, Lord, show us, do we need a contemporary worship service? And at the same time, have dual Sunday school. So that I mean 9.15, you have a celebration service with the choir and orchestra. Then also at 9.15, have a Sunday school hour. Then at 10.45, you have a contemporary worship service and a Sunday school hour. And that's a major Sunday morning change for a church because you would have, all of a sudden you'd need 20 new Sunday school teachers. 
and then you would have new opportunities for a praise team, a worship band, lots of changes on it. That's something here at Broadway. You should be bringing that to the Father. You should be crying out, saying, Lord, direct our paths. Any type of great move of God is always started by bringing it to Him. And I think a lot of times what happens is it's like we have to crash first. Adam and Eve have disaster in the garden. Then Cain's killing people, and then his, Cain's kids are killing people. So then we just get in this giant mess. And then finally, at that point, Genesis 4.26, we finally decide we need to start crying out to the Lord. And God's saying, no, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. We need to be coming to God as our Father. In fact, keep your finger here in Genesis chapter 4. Flip over here. I believe this is one of the best passages here on really helping us understand when we talk to God who God is. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. This here is in the New Testament. Paul wrote the book of Romans. One of the, it's his masterpiece. In many ways, one of the most important books to study and understand Christian doctrine and understanding the doctrine of God. But we see here that one of the mark of a Christian, if you are a believer, the, the mark of a Christian is for us to cry out to God as our Father in prayer. Romans 8.14. Look what God's Word says here. It says, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's Son. That means if you are led by God's Spirit, I mean, if you're a born-again believer, if you are a follower and disciple of the Lord, you are actually a child of God. He's your Father. He's your Heavenly Father who sent His Son Jesus to purchase you with the price. So you have to view yourself. One of your identities is, I'm a son of God, sons of God, a daughter of the Lord. That's what we see here in verse 14. Verse 15, it says, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, meaning we aren't like we're in Egypt and we're under slavery, under Pharaoh. We have been set free. Jesus has purchased us. He's bought us with a price. So we don't go back. We don't talk, we don't, God isn't like a master and we're His slave. That's not the relationship between us and our Father in heaven. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption. Literally, adoption means, ado, what adoption is, is, as you know, Sherry and I adopted a child from uh, Esther, came from China, we are not her biological parents, obviously, we, but we legally adopted her. Jesus' biological dad was God the Father. So Jesus calls God, his, his, God the Father Father, and biologically, that's his dad. He's the Son of God, but we are also sons or daughters of God through adoption. That means when you, when you adopt someone, you are literally becoming, there's no going back. Once you, you get the paperwork, that's your child. You're stuck with them. Like you, you've got to take care of them now. No matter if Esther wants me or not, I'm still her dad. Like even if she decides, well, I'm, I don't like these parents, I'm going to get some. No, you can't. Like I've got the papers to prove it. That's what, that's what it's like to be a son or a daughter of God. You've been adopted into the family of God, and God, the Heavenly 
Father in heaven, guys, He owns you. He's got the paperwork to prove it. When you get saved, when you were born again, God became your Father. That means what, that's what it means to be saved. You have a new identity. I'm owned. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a child of slavery. I'm no longer, the Bible describes it, a child of the devil. I'm no longer owned by Satan anymore, a slave to sin. I serve my Father in heaven. He adopted me. And look what it goes on to say. So now, understand this. We as believers have been adopted. That's the spirit of adoption. This is what salvation is. So what do we do? When you've been adopted, latter part, verse 15, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out, remember, in Genesis 4.26, all of a sudden the people started calling upon the name of the Lord. They thought, you know, now it's a good time to start praying and speaking to God. Well, that's exactly what Paul says. If you were born again, you were expected, you were commanded that you were to be talking to your Father, Abba, Father. Jesus on the cross used that word, the Aramaic word, Abba, which means Father. When He's dying on the cross, He's talking to His Father. It's a personal name. God isn't some distant God who's far away. He's your Father. He hears your prayers. He knows your needs. Listen, when you do not pray, when I, when we as a church, when we fail to come to God, we are basically saying, God, I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm not going to talk. I mean, have you ever... Our children aren't really old enough yet to run away, but could you imagine if your children ran away and said, I don't like my parents anymore, I'm just going to leave and go find, do something, do my own thing. And then years and years go by, and you don't talk to them. That is exactly what it's like as a believer in Jesus Christ who neglects their Father in heaven, God. You're basically, and you are saying, God, I don't want you anymore. I've abandoned you. Listen, if, if you don't have a prayer life and you aren't talking to God and this man or said, Lord, you are my father. I'm your child. You own me. You really have to ask the question, am I saved? Do I understand that this is what it means? This is a, salvation is adoption. You've been adopted into the family of God. You cry out to the Lord. He's, he owns you. Look at verse 16 here. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. God, when you get saved, God puts His Holy Spirit inside of you. And that testifies. That means you're a, you're a believer. That's what it means to be saved. God's Spirit literally comes inside of you and makes a home. You know, Romans 10, 10 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And what that means is that you're crying out to God. God, you're my Father. I want you. I own you. I have a quote here up on the screen. Tim, uh, Timothy Keller, he's a, he's a retired pastor up in New York, Presbyterian pastor, and um, it, um, it's a quote. He wrote a great book on prayer. Do we have the, the quote? Anyway, I'll read the... Oh, there it is. Prayer, and uh, this is his little book on prayer that he wrote, and uh, I love this quote. Um, I think it really summarizes what it means to really experience a, a prayer in our life. 
This is what he said here. Prayer is the main way. This is the main way we experience deep change. Change. Not just surface level change. We're talking genuine change in your life. What that means? It means it's the reordering of our loves. Not of our lives. Don't miss that. Of our loves. If some of you are here this morning and you're struggling with sin, what that means is you are wrestling with two loves in your life. You love something other than God, some type of sin that you need to repent of. And through prayer, you're saying, God, I want to reorder this love from repenting and turning from this sin in my life, whatever it is, and turning to the Lord. And only God can do that through prayer. Thinking about it doesn't help. Talking about it doesn't help. Reading about it. When you cry out to the Lord and say, God, reorder my love in my life. Because it needs to be, my first love needs to be the Lord. Your first love, God expects this for His children. Remember, you're a child of God. He wants, you to, he wants a reorder in your life. Do you know, in our lives, we need to be diligent in saying, God, are there any areas of my Christian walk, any areas that I'm not mature in? Christ calls us to Christian maturity. And I want to tell you, you will not grow into a, as a mature, fully devoted believer and disciple if you don't understand the deep power and change of prayer. There are so many things we could be praying for. In fact, we got them up here on the board. So you should answer a question. So what do, what, what do we pray for? Because I think a lot of times, and speaking to myself, prayer becomes emergency prayer situations. Prayer becomes crisis. Prayer becomes something where we turn to when we don't know what to do. So look at, this, these are things we should be praying for. Number one, we should prioritize prayer for evangelism. Do you know God wants people saved? Did y'all know that? He wants the people walking the aisle, giving their life to Jesus. He wants us, we should be, we want to have baptism here frequently. Folks are getting saved and becoming baptized believers and followers of Him. But, <clears throat> y'all know, I, I, I follow things going on in our Southern Baptist Convention. They, every, like, June 1st or so, they always release the uh, numbers of, I guess, the baptism numbers of the churches. Do you know baptisms in our are, we are a Bible-believing convention, so the SBC. Do you know baptism numbers are the lowest in 60 years? 60 years. It's just, the, I don't know if people have lost the passion for evangelism, if people aren't out knocking on doors. You know, two days ago, we were, I was driving my neighborhood, there was another church knocking on doors. The guys were carrying their, I mean, they had huge Bibles, carrying around, knocking them around. There's out in the community doing that. The, there's something called crossover at this SBC. It's in Dallas. It's tomorrow. And they do something called crossover. And I went to the St. Louis one. And I went knocking on doors in Granite City, Illinois, which is not safe place to be. It's on the other side of the river there, St. Louis. We're out knocking on doors. And folks actually got saved. But do you know they went and knocked on doors, I think over 400 people there in Dallas this past weekend gave their life to Jesus. Just walking up and asking and starting gospel conversations. And just saying, hey, you know the Lord. Do you know, one of the things we need to be praying for is you need to be praying for, you know, this week you're going to go out 
and you're going to have conversations with people in Lexington. And many of these people are not born-again believers. And you need to be thinking, how can I turn my conversations into a gospel conversation about the Lord? And I want to tell you, the turn, because you, you have a conversation, you talk about sports, you talk about the weather, you talk about how bad traffic is, how hot it is, whatever it is you talk about. But I want to tell you the turn, the turning points when you ask questions. So what church do you go to? When you, that's a great question. Because a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, uh, I'm a member of this church, but I haven't been in 100 years, or something like that, or we don't really go to church, haven't found church, or I always love the answer. We're still shopping or looking for a church. Everybody's eternally looking for a church. And you, you get these answers. When you hear, you, you ask somebody about their church, that's a way to all of a sudden turn it to, hey, do you know the Lord? Is Jesus your Savior? Are you a born-again believer? That's the turning point in a conversation. Guys, we need to be praying for evangelistic opportunities to share the gospel. Jesus Christ died for people. He wants this whole world to call Him Abba Father. But I want to tell you, if you are not praying for that opportunity, it won't happen. Because God, He's waiting, saying, you want, you, I, I promise, if you start praying, if you, I, this is a guaranteed answer to prayer, you start praying for God to put people in your life that you can tell about Him, he amazing, you'll start having people come into your life. And opportunities to talk about the Lord, opportunities to invite folks to church, invite them to VBS. This is a priority prayer for evangelism. In the early church, the book of Acts, these folks went around praying for opportunities. They asked God to give them souls. So, Lord, put people in our path that we can communicate the good news to. Number two. Prayer requests deserve to be prayed over. Prayer requests deserve to be prayed over. Listen, someone gives you a prayer request, or you read about it, gosh, if you go on Facebook, half, my, half the things are prayer requests. If you tell somebody you're praying for them, if you tell somebody your Sunday school class, or you tell somebody on Facebook, or in prayer meeting, or here at church, or you fill out the little connection card and write your prayer request, Guys, if you tell someone you are praying for them and you don't do it, you are sinning against God. That's lying. And it's wrong. It's better for you to not tell them you're going to pray for them. Because if you're, you're telling someone, brother, I'm praying for you. I will pray for this situation. If you won't remember, you need to either write it down or you need to stop what you're doing and pray for it right there. I, I think about Johnny Hunt, pastor of uh, First Baptist Woodstock. He talked about this one time. And he said what happens, you know, he walks down the hallway of his church and folks just come up to him all the time saying, Brother Johnny, please pray for this, please. Do you know what he does? Right there, he just stops, right there in the hallway, puts his arm around, let's pray about this right now. Because if, if 14 people or five, six, seven people mention prayer requests to you, it's easy, we all forget things. And if you don't write it down or pray for them right now, you won't remember, and it's wrong. They're counting on your prayers. They're, they're expecting my church family, my friends, people who I know who also are children of God, who are counting on my prayer. For, and that's called intercessory prayers. It is wrong. It's better on, on social media. If you're not going to pray for it, don't, don't say you are. Just scroll on through. Because you're lying to them if you do. And then they think, you know, I've got 30 people praying for them. They really have two, three Number, number three, we will lack revival if we're not praying. 
Do you know our church, not just our church, us as believers, you will not have revival. Revival begins in the house of God, among God's people. If we are not a praying people, if you are not a praying believer, you will not see great, great things. You will not see a great move. It will just be like what I described earlier. We're drifting along. You know, offerings get down, we bring in Kevin Dye. We have a big push for that. He gets the, get the money plates flowing. And just kind of drifting along, just going about your business. Great moves of God, revival, personal revival in your life, it will occur through prayer. Prayer should not just be something that you're praying for sick people only. You're praying for a mighty movement. You're praying for the invitation. You're praying for your Sunday school teacher. You're praying for our church. You're praying for the youth pastor. Praying for a children's minister. Praying for a music ministry. You're praying for the possible decision about having a second service. You're praying for your pastor. You're just lifting up everyone. You're praying for your family. You're praying, God, I want, I, want to be, I want to be used by you. I want to see revival in our life. I want to tell you, it will not happen. One of the reasons baptisms are likely down in the convention is folks are just too busy to pray. There's a million other things to do. Prayer is, is hard because it requires time. You have to stop what you're doing, put your phone down, put your computer down, and say, God, it's me and you. This is my time. I'm going to turn off the radio. I'm going to turn off everything. It's my alone time with the Lord. And we should be praying for revival. Number four, we need to be praying over marriages in our church. You know, Sherry and I, I turned 40 later this year. Sherry's a year and a half older than me, so we've been married about 14, 15 years now. Do you know it's sad? We, were in, we saw, uh, I went to a hometown church. Do you know folks that got married 15 years ago, about the same time, church, they're already getting divorced. People, I've, weddings I've officiated, some of them are falling apart. They have fallen apart. Divorce is real. The enemy attacks marriages. I'll tell you, if you are married today, there is nothing more that the devil wants to destroy your marriage. Because I want to tell you why that's so important. Because if, he can, if the devil destroys your marriage, that affects your children. That all of a sudden affects your grandchildren. That affects your gospel witness. Usually, I want to tell you this, when uh, people get divorced, a lot of times people drop out of church. One family, if they go this way, one goes this way. It's, just, it's a mess. They end up moving, job change. Everything is disrupted in their life through that. And the devil knows, I'm going to go after people's marriages. I once spoke to this guy. He retired after... Uh, pastoring a church. He said the church ran about 400 people, a little bit larger than this church. And um, he retired after 20 years. And I won't say his name, but I was talking to him one day. He was like in his upper 60s or so. And I said, so, so what, uh, I mean, what, what's, what's one of your greatest accomplishments after 20 years here at this church? I'm retiring. He said, Dan, you wouldn't believe this, and you're not going to believe it, what I say. In 20 years, and this guy was just, he just had a deep personal prayer. You could just tell, man loved the Lord. Deep prayer life. He's one of those guys that you call, and you know he wasn't available because he's always some time in prayer, and just he just knew the Lord. He said his greatest accomplishment in that church. I've never heard this one except for this: is that of the four hundred people he pastored at that that little church, not a single one of them in his twenty years got divorced. That was his accomplishment. 
He says oh, he prayed for the marriages. He literally, he had a little piece of paper. He would pray for people in his church family. He prayed over their children and their families for God to protect them. Listen, wives, you should be praying for your husband, praying for his eyes to stay pure. Should be praying, men, you should be praying for your wives when they're on social media, praying for them when they go to work. Should be praying for your children. Should be praying that your children, when they grow up, and your grandchildren, that they will get saved, that they will have the blessing of going to a church with the VBS. They will hear the gospel. They'll be a part of a strong children's ministry, a strong youth ministry, and a strong college ministry as they, as they age. If, listen, you never give up praying for your family and your marriage. Children, you should be praying for mom and dad, for their marriages. Satan goes after marriages. And he will, because he knows if he can break it up, it affects so, the raves, the ripples affect so many other people. And all of a sudden, God created the family. First marriage was performed in Genesis 2.24. Marriage actually came from God. It's described as a covenant. And if the devil can destroy that, he's got you. Because then you're bitter, you're angry, it affects the children. It's just the breakdown of the family. When the devil can destroy the breakdown of the family and the breakdown of the church, he's got, he's got the culture. The family breaks down and the church breaks down. It's over. You need to make a commitment. What do you pray for? You should be praying. Pray for Sharon's marriage. I need to be diligent praying for your marriage. You pray for other people's marriage that God keeps them pure. Number five, missionaries need churches praying over them. They have to. When you are on the mission field, when you are serving, you need to know that you have a home base. That isn't just, that isn't just saying, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. That's diligently praying for the Lord, lifting up your request. Mission work is complete spiritual warfare. I mean, just from our church. I mean, we even have one, Miss Peggy Cable's here. She spoke a week and a half ago. She serves in Uganda. She's here this morning. She needs your prayers. We had a, I can't remember the couple, that Kenny and Cheryl Morris. You know, they came out of our church, and now they're serving in Panama and in Columbia. They need our prayers. They've, we've had missionaries rise up from Broadway. They, should be, they, they need to know they have people back home in Kentucky lifting them up. You know, our church, we're going to go do mission work later this month at, down in Clay County. We need to be praying, says God, we want to have a, a maximum impact and have a successful mission project down there. Our teenagers are leaving tomorrow morning to go way on the other side of the state in Jonathan Creek and Kentucky Lake. They need those teenagers, they're going to hear the gospel. They need to know, hey, I've got a church home that's lifting me up to the Lord. And the same with VPS, we're going to have a lot of kids here. They need to be knowing that there's a prayer basis, praying for these children to get saved. Number six, last thing, look at this. Churches will die if they do not pray. I promise you, this will happen. And not just churches, you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you will wither away. Because what you're doing, when you do not pray, you are saying, God, I do not need Abba Father. I do not need to pray. I do not need to call upon the name of the Lord. Prayer should be so 
connected in your life. It's like speaking another language. That's how close you should be to God the Father. He's, he's your personal Father in heaven. And you call Him Abba. He's adopted you as a child. And listen, as we as church, as we as believers, if we do not pray, we will die as a church. You will die as a believer. You will spiritually just drift along, and then you'll just go home to heaven. And instead of having great revival in your life, in your church's life, you will just, just be mediocre. Jesus doesn't want us to live a mediocre, drifting along life. This morning, we're going to have our invitation. We're going to have a time of commitment. I want you to make that commitment that you're going to pray. I mean, you look at these things. Look at this. Prayer for evangelism. Can you commit to pray for a lost person? Can you commit to actually pray over prayer requests? Can you commit to pray, God, give me revival? Can you pray for other marriages you know? Pray for your marriage. Can you pray for missionaries, mission work, youth camp? Bring it to God. In line that, pray for our church. Pray our offering plates are overflowing. Pray that our, our giving and our going, that we are a church that has maximum impact. You know, we have a great God. He answers prayer. He's waiting for His people. Jesus said the, made the question, and last thing I'll say here, in the book of Luke, Jesus says, we have a, do you have a father that, that you ask, ask for a piece of bread or a piece of fish, and he gives you a snake? I mean, could you imagine your children? They say, Dad, I'm hungry. Here's a cobra. I mean, would, you, would any father do that? No. That's the type of father we have. You're hungry, you go to your dad, and he gives you the food you need. I know this is so simple, but I want to tell you, this is hard because the devil keeps us busy, so you will not wear your knees out in prayer. You will not have time for this. You will not make this a priority and have a prayer journal. I want to close this in prayer. I'm going to have a special time of prayer for our church. God, I pray this morning right now that we as a church here I pray we as Broadway, that we are a church that has offering plates overflowing so that we can give. We can be a missional church. We can be one that's advancing the gospel. Lord, we see evangelism opportunities all around us. Lord, there's so many people here in Lexington who, Lord, they just need you. They need to be saved. And Lord, we are going to come across them these next week or just next year. Lord, just give us Give us the courage and the words to tell the good news. Lord, I also pray for prayer requests. Lord, there's so many prayer needs here. And Lord, we pray we are a people who bring requests to you. Lord, like we pray right now for Mr. Bill Eads. He's in the hospital. Our church custodian. He's dying of cancer. We lift him up. Lord, we, we beg for you to heal him and for you to strengthen him. Lord, I pray that we step up and help cleaning our church because Bill can't be here anymore. He's hurting. Lord, we also pray for revival. Lord, I pray you do a revival in my life. Lord, give me a fresh touch from you. God, I pray for our church that we experience revival. God, it's a time that we just turn to you. I pray for a decision about uh, starting a new worship service. Lord, we just this summer, we just bathe it in prayer. And we know you'll give us an answer. And you'll make it so clear. And we'll be unified. 
Lord, I also pray over the marriages of our church. Lord, it's sad to see people who Sherry and I know, weddings we attended, that I officiated, that are now gone. They're, they're falling apart. Lord, we just pray that we will be praying over the marriages of our families, of our church family, of people we know. Lord, we know how devastating divorce and brokenness can be in folks' lives. Lord, we pray you strengthen the marriages so that people see marriage as two people who are, who are devout after you, who are serving you together. You created marriage. Lord, we pray for our missionaries. We pray for Miss Peggy Cable. She'll be going back to Uganda. Lord, I pray that as she goes back there, that she knows she has a church home here at Broadway that's lifting her up. Lord, we pray for Kenny and Cheryl Morris right now in Panama. Lord, they're sharing the gospel with our international mission board. And Lord, it's hard. They're out in the jungle. And Lord, I just pray you'll strengthen them as when they're lonely. Lord, you'll just give them the words to say and they'll have fruitful ministry. Lord, we pray for our youth group as they leave tomorrow, as they go to camp. I pray some of these kids, maybe they've never gotten saved. They give their life to you. I pray for Zach as he goes there, that you just strengthen him and he has a great connection with the teenagers. Lord, we pray for our church. We don't just pray for our church. We pray for all the other churches here in our community. Lord, I pray when we drive by a church, we pray for it. We don't just read the church sign. Lord, we pray for that church, that there's a Bible-believing church, and they will have their pews overflowing, and that they're having a great gospel advance that's occurring there. Lord, we pray for Broadway, that, that we have a church that is completely dependent upon you. Lord, I pray for this invitation we have. And Lord, that you, if you have spoken to anyone, that Lord, we see how important prayer is, that Lord, we cry out to you as Romans 8.15 says, to call you Abba, Father, because you are our Father and we are a child of God. We aren't just, just another person. Lord, we're different. We've been bought at a price. Lord, you died on the cross for every one of us. It costs you something. It costs your son. And it's, it's not a cheap grace, a great, expensive grace. God died so we can be saved. Lord, I pray that this invitation, that we will boldly respond we won't be embarrassed. We will come forward and come serve you. Lord, I just pray for our church. I pray that you just bless us this summer for VBS and for the great things, the camps going on and for all the different activities. Lord, I pray that you, we are a church that is completely dependent upon you. We know it begins with prayer. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation. As always, I'm going to be standing down front. I'm going to invite everyone to stand together. This is your opportunity to respond to what God's doing in your life. We're going to sing in our songbook, hymn number 417, Jesus is Tenderly Calling. Let's stand together. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love will thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tender, calling today, Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Oh. 
tender calling today. Jesus is waiting, oh come him now, waiting today, waiting today. Come with thy sins at his feet lowly bow, come and no longer delay. Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tender, calling today, Jesus is pleading, oh listen to his voice, hear him today, hear him today. They who believe on his name shall rejoice, quickly arise and away. Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling us be seated real quick. I want to um, I want to grab a microphone. God's certainly been working, doing some great things here. I want to make a couple announcements, and we're going to recognize several decisions here. Um, with that, um, a church right for church is over right now. We have lunch for everybody, so you want to go downstairs to the fellowship hall. It's directly below us. You go down these stairs right here. We have uh, Zach has cooked spaghetti for everybody, so in the teenagers, so. Uh, so we have a spaghetti luncheon. So don't go home. Don't, don't go to Malone's. You want to go to the church and eat your lunch. It's free. Well, it's not free. It's a donation only. If you, if you have the money, or if, even if you don't have money, you still need to come. Uh, they're going to youth camp, and it just helps with scholarships and some of, uh, some of the expenses involved, travel and things like that. They leave tomorrow morning for youth camp. So I wanted to make that uh, announcement as well. Also, uh, Nancy, she wanted me to make an announcement about VBS. Um, um, as you know, they're collecting some supplies. VBS is uh, not uh, tomorrow, but the following Monday. Uh, she said she doesn't need any more uh, bottled water. They've got plenty of uh, bottled water for that. But if you're able to donate any of these items, this is for crafts this week. As you go to the grocery store, it's, uh, it helps us out a lot um, uh, with that. Also, I need some beach balls because we'll be out there in the... Um, uh, do, I'm doing shipwreck games for that. 
The last announcement I wanted to share is uh, tonight we have church. I'm preaching through the, the book of Luke. So we're in Luke chapter 9. Luke has, has another emphasis there on prayer. So we have church tonight as well as Zach has Afterglow with the teenagers, and we're starting something called Zip for Kids with the children. So that's at 6 o'clock, so that's our, our Sunday, um, Sunday evening schedule this night. So, All right, Steve, so y'all come stand up here real quick. I've got several announcements we're going to make. This here is Sue and Steve House. They've been coming to our church for several months now. I had a chance, as well as Brother Herdu, to, to sit down and meet with them. And uh, they're coming. Uh, Steve is coming by baptism. He is uh, coming from another denomination that has never had a believer's baptism. So um, Steve's going to get baptized here at our church. Now, Steve, can I tell you your age, Steve? Steve's 85, right? 89. 89. Eight. <laughs> that was the call. Yeah. I was telling my, my former, this is going to be a record for me. My former record is 80. Uh, several, about 10 years ago, I baptized an 80-year-old man, but never 89. So, but you know, I, I had an opportunity. Steve met with me about a month or so ago. He made an appointment here at the office. And he, he grew up in a denomination that doesn't uh, baptize by immersion. And we went through the scriptures, and we looked at what the Bible says about baptism. And, you know, something he realizes he needed to do. So um, down the road, we'll be having believers' baptism for Steve. So we are so excited. Stu, she's here uh, transferring her membership from a local area church. So we are excited here about Sue transferring her membership, as well as Steve coming at 89 years old and receiving believers' baptism. If you're excited for them, let's give them a warm applause.